Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment. I want to welcome you to Media Maven Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirates, who's in public affairs and a sportscaster. Hi, Joe. Thanks for coming back on. Oh, I'm happy to be here, Sarah. It's it's great. I mean, this this is going to be a very interesting podcast today. I mean, we're talking to today to the guy who invented the ringtone, the man, the father of the ringtone. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Legend. I'm just excited to have you on as one of Media Maven's podcast co-host teams. Because well, thank you've you. been our voice of God for the largest global awards, you know, from sports to tech to entertainment. Um, it's going to be such great time having you. But I am excited. We're going to introduce our the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ralph Simon, who was the CEO of Mobilium Global, the do-gooder, the man who's changing the world one country at a time through technology and compassion coming from the UK. So Ralph Simon, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Joe. It's really terrific to be with you guys, even though it's nighttime where I am and it's daytime where you are. It's just wonderful because I know, Sarah, that you reach a lot of people that goes right across North America and hopefully uh, other parts of the world. So great to be with the two of you. We are truly global these days. I'm going to have technology to lean on to thank for that, but at least it's not 110 degrees in London. So I'm just glad you're safe, but I'm excited you're here. Give us an update. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know I've been following you. You've done such tremendous stuff in other countries around the world. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on, what you're doing, and anything inspiring that you want everybody to know about. And then let's talk about how you're doing through um, COVID, through all this. Well, first of all, as far as COVID is concerned, wash your hands. Keep social distancing. All the rules that are broadcast by all of the officials, certainly Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and uh, certainly the mayor of LA, they've said the right things, and uh, those uh, those rules are there for a purpose. Uh, here in the UK, unfortunately, in the last four weeks or so, we've suddenly seen a huge spike, a reinfection, infection, inflection, which is not looking good. But it seems to be that a lot of people that went on vacation in Europe to hot spots, uh, uh, sunny spots, that is, in Greece, in Spain, um, and other parts of Europe, came back to the UK, and uh, I think they they were supposed to have been in nightclubs or discos or areas uh, where they were packed together, and the air conditioning wasn't so good, and that has spawned some new cases. So it is quite serious. I know certainly in California, there's been um, quite, uh, quite a big uh, uptick. It's not yet conquered. I mean, the USA is still um, second in the world and uh, highest, certainly, in the number of deaths. Just uh, 189,223 as of now. Wow. Wow. No, it's definitely been unprecedented times. But, you know, my big thing has been the podcast and everything else, lean on tech to thrive and survive. And, and, you know, now that we know that, well, this is a new normal, we're leaning on tech. You've done tremendous stuff because you were traveling to other countries. And everything. Right. Give us some highlights of what you've been doing up until you were quarantined. Right. Uh, well, um, I've been working on a couple of interesting projects. 
One um, is a music project, which uh, music has always been close to my heart and my career. And um, we have an interesting team here in London where we have tried to go around the world to try and find really incredible new young virtuosos. These are uh, musicians and performers that do something incredible. And what we're trying to do is trying to find people from all over the world that are really take your breath away in terms of their performance or their skill. To give an example, a couple of years ago in India, um, I saw this extraordinary young 12-year-old pianist from South India, from a city called Chennai, which is from the Tamil-speaking language in India. And I saw this kid and was just amazed by him. And then I was amazed to see about a year and a half later, he appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres uh, TV show where he uh, played an incredible piano solo blindfolded, didn't miss a note. And then I saw him on James Corden's show, America's Best, and he won the award being one of America's best. And so I've been working very closely with him because not only does he play the piano just like a ring and a bell, as they said in that famous Chuck Berry song, <laughs> yes. but he also plays virtually every other instrument you can think of. He plays bass guitar, he plays guitar, he plays drums, he plays Indian instruments. He's a great singer. He's uh, homeschooled. His father is a music teacher. But he was discovered by A.R. Raman, the very famous Indian composer who was behind the music of Slumdog Millionaire, the multi-Oscar winning movie. Wow. So this young fellow's name is Lydian, Lydian, L-Y-D-I-A-N, uh, Narashwardhan, and he is incredible. And so he's one of the people we're working with. We found an extraordinary young woman from Hawaii uh, by the name of Taimani, T-A-I-M-A-N-E who plays the ukulele like Eric Clapton plays the guitar. <laughs> so what we're looking for is we are really looking for virtuosic performance. We've got credible violinists from Los Angeles that uh, plays uh, an exact glass guitar, a glass violin, should I say. He's just another one of these stunning visual performers. Uh, his name is Brian King Joseph. He's quite well known in LA, but he's someone that we're working with. So we've got about, 10 or 11 of these people that we found, someone in uh, Kazakhstan, someone in Spain, someone in, um, in Finland. And um, so the idea is that we, are, we, we work with them by working on material, working on their development of their performance. And the idea is that we're trying to develop a TV series or a YouTube channel that would feature some of these people from all over the world. You've always been in music because we met years ago when you're yeah. running MEF, the um, Mobile Entertainment Forum globally, and uh, you're the, you're the, the my godfather of bringing the ringback tones to market because I've had a uh, ringback tone on my phone as long as I can remember, and I was just told yeah. the other day that Verizon is stopping our ringback tones, so it uh, kind of broke my heart. But are you still using mobile to um, evolve all these platforms globally, or what are you working on, on the mobile side? Is this purely and non-mobile. Um. I'm very involved in mobile. And in fact, the other big project that we're working on is we're working on a project that's directed primarily to large rural areas in Latin America, in Africa, and India. I work with a fantastic team from Israel that have developed um, 
specialized drones that can fly and stay in the air for six months at a time. Yes. And they circle a large rural space and spit out an internet connection to about a quarter of a million mobile subscribers. It's an attempt to be able to give people who live in very uh, remote and rural areas the opportunity to get internet connectivity, even though they might not be in a big city. Ralph, that, that brings up a question for me. Uh, with Starlink going on, is this going to be a competitor with Starlink, or is Starlink not doesn't have the ability to serve those areas? I'm not all that familiar with Starlink. suspect that that's something in North America. Yes. But, but um, this is uh, basically drawn from the very most advanced Israeli technology with drones, also uh, some great specialists in telecommunications uh, signaling, new ways in which uh, this is used primarily to provide health and personalized medical information to pregnant women and to communities. And also, very importantly, and especially so during this pandemic, to provide education on phone, online, to people in rural areas who might not be able to get proper schooling. That's amazing. I mean, the idea that you can bridge that gap, especially, and I've seen your, uh, what you've done in Africa to bring that mobile, bring the mobile connectivity there. Yeah. Let me ask you, is, is it hard to get buy-in in areas like that to, you know, to be able to bring that service there? Well, to do something like that, first of all, uh, if you fly a large uh, uh, vehicle in the air, you've got to get uh, a certificate of airworthiness, number one. Secondly, permission from the authorities to do it. Third, you've got to make sure that you're flying it in areas that doesn't conflict with commercial aviation. In general, uh, certainly depending upon the area, but uh, in Africa, which consists of 54 different countries, mm -hmm. you have to choose where you're going to do it. There are some countries that are very advanced in their thinking. One country in particular is Rwanda, which uh, was, is really the place where the movie Gorillas in the Mist was uh, all located. But uh, some countries are more advanced, some uh, like, for example, Kenya, very advanced. And uh, you have to find a president or a prime minister or a government that really understand and want to have innovation development that is to the benefit of their people and to do it in such a way that it would be affordable to be able to do it, where there can be an interesting uh, private and public partnership, partnership between the government and, uh, and with uh, technology or with telcos, because in Africa, you've got just on a billion, no, just over a billion people right. in the 54 countries. So there's a huge demand for education, huge demand for health services. And if this can all be done, particularly where, the roads are not like the, the uh, highway system in America. In some of the countries, the roads are still undeveloped. undeveloped. Right. But the uh, same thing applies in certain parts of Latin America. We're looking at Colombia, which is a very mountainous country. Sometimes the signaling of the internet connection through telcos can be improved without necessarily putting up masts. But if right. you do it the drone, the drone could circle. And then every six months, the drone comes down and another drone goes up and takes its place. That drone technology sounds amazing. Who thought of that? You know, there's always been a very advanced drone technology group in Israel that Israel has, is so far ahead in terms of many, many innovations in mobile technology, 
in, um, in virtual reality and machine learning. Just think about it. <clears throat> How many people in California do you think use Waze to get up over traffic in LA? I think it's split between Waze and Google Maps. But, we, you know, we've known a few Israeli companies. I mean, a few of them we've met through the MEAs. And the technology is so advanced over there. So, I mean, I'm not surprised because I know we're working on 5G here in the U.S. But I do think for a modern country, we're very behind. And Ralph, you know this. I mean, are, where, I mean, where are you finding the most innovative technologies? And is this a proof of concept that's working or is this something that other countries are coming to and saying, hey, we need a new way to connect people. We need a new way to keep people safe and healthy. You know, I think the truth is this. I think we are just living in an era where innovation is something that is a major imperative for pretty much every forward-looking country. Um, in terms of mobile technology in particular, you still are seeing um, very good uh, developments in the Scandinavian and Nordic countries. You know, Nokia came from Finland, and although it was sold to Microsoft, Microsoft really didn't do a good job of it. And Nokia now concentrate on all of the, um, the plumbing that makes up mobile phone networks, as does Ericsson, which is a Swedish company. Yeah. Of course, you do get Korean companies like Samsung. Verizon just announced yesterday a $5 billion deal with, um, with Samsung to put 5G into the Verizon system in America. Um, yep. And, of course, uh, uh, with this uh, argy-bargy going on at the moment between America and China and Huawei, who now can't really operate in the American environment. And, in fact, the American government has even tried to stop uh, Chinese companies using American um, Transistor technology and electronics technology. But, well, Huawei. I thought Huawei was. I mean, we ha Huawei submitted like two years ago for best product because I have a few of their products. They gave us product. a tremendous product. They're very advanced, but I, I, I knew they were cut off, and Samsung was cut off out of China. Is that correct? Now, Samsung still operates, as far as I'm aware, in China. Okay. You know, as a Korean company, Samsung also operates a lot in India. Yeah. And then there's one uh, very popular Chinese mobile phone brand in India called Xiaomi, which is a very popular brand. But with the current tensions between uh, the White House and, uh, and China, which uh, who knows if that's going to continue after November the yeah. 3rd. Well, let's, let's hope that it won't continue. But um, so uh, uh, in terms of mobile technology, there's been uh, a lot of re really interesting development, particularly in virtual reality, in machine learning, and Israel consistently is way up there as some of the most extraordinary uh, innovation development. Uh, of course, the UK has also got a very, very strong tech sector. There's a whole area of London known as Tech City, which is run by someone who used to be one of the main board members of the Mobile Entertainment Forum. But um, there, look, there's there is really great innovation in a lot of areas. I'm uh, on the faculty of Singularity University and their Exponential Medicine and Health faculty with an incredible doctor by the name of Dr. Daniel Kraft. And Daniel Kraft is somebody that has really been uh, introducing some of the most extraordinary new 
developments in terms of virtual reality and digital technology for medicine. He works very closely with Peter Diamandis, who's a very well-known innovator, uh, who is one of the founders of Singularity University. So uh, in that particular area, of course, California, in really looking at the leading edge of medicine and personalized health, is, is way, way up there with uh, Singularity's uh, exponential medicine faculty, really probably one of the very best in the world. And this Dr. Daniel Kraft, man, he's a superstar in terms of medicine. Wow, that's amazing. What, I, what, what do I love about, you know, right now, I mean, there's always some good things that come out of the bad. I know we're in a pandemic. It's a bad situation. People losing jobs, their health. But I think there's a lot of new innovation and compassion coming out of this. I know way back when, before we even thought this was our reality, you know, I believe Yari Tamisto, who you and I are both known friends with, I believe we worked with him. We on Mondays, right? Yes, way back when the album, which is why they have the Amis got started. But we were submitting and giving phones like old, like we have so many used phones right now because every year there's a new update. Verizon on Verizon, AT&T, they make it easy just to do a new update. So you're always in the most current, but we have all these phones and they're recycling them. People are just leaving them in drawers. But we went to the drive. We took all these phones and moved them over and sent them to these small villages in Africa for the women. And because of the fintech and the mobile way back when, yeah. what was happening, and I, I'm sure it's evolved great that you could talk to this more, Ralph, is that people would wait in line for hours and days not to pay their rent, not to buy food, not to buy health care. They waited in line to pay their phone bill because their phone bill was a lifeline for self, like health, safety, anything. Right, if they yeah. didn't have that phone, they wouldn't survive. So People, the lines around the corner in these villages or any third world countries were just waiting in line because that phone bill was the first and most important thing that they paid. And so we shipped a lot of old phones over to other areas in Africa, mainly to the women in the villages, because that was their only way from being raped, from being killed. That was the only way to call for help. So I remember way back in the days with Yari. That was one of our big initiatives, just get phones in their hands. But it's become now where there's drones overhead just to get them service on a daily basis. So I think it's amazing how mobile, where we started, and how it's been so innovative, and it's saving lives now on such a different level. Well, if you think of streaming and you think of companies like Spotify of Sweden and the way that uh, the provisioning of music and now, of course, podcasts, because podcasts are now so huge. Maybe the pandemic has allowed for people to do a lot more listening yeah. when uh, uh, most certainly in Europe there's way, way less commuting. So people who would sometimes spend an hour or two hours each way having to go to work every day and now not having to do that and having more free time to be able to actually listen to stuff and learn and people just generally becoming more socially responsible. That does seem to be a global trend where people really want to try and do something for the public good and uh, try and make for a better integration and, and working of community, which was always something that uh, was a function of living in California, particularly Northern California, and certainly San Francisco, that was always a strong sense of community there, as was the case in Silicon Valley. But um, yeah. in terms of uh, some other uh, interesting stuff, some of the stuff that we do in India, I've been involved with the TED 
um, TEDx organization in India for the last 10 years or so. And uh, we've been um, doing a series of talks on uh, a world that has changed. And this coming weekend, we're doing a very interesting interview with the Dean of the School of Public Health from Boston University, a wonderful doctor by the name of uh, Sandro, uh, Sandro Galea, who uh, really looks at the impact of trauma on uh, behavioral epidemiology. That is, how does trauma affect your body? How does trauma affect your, your health? How does trauma affect people during the time of the pandemic where the world is different, the world has changed. I mean, a lot of people here in the UK have noticed this past summer how the birds singing was so much more noticeable than before, partly because there was far less aircraft flying in the sky and you could actually hear the birds singing. And some of the birds were, the sound particularly uh, of the birds in Europe, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, there's a famous song from the 1940s called A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square. And really, you, before the pandemic, there was so much traffic noise, uh, aircraft noise, uh, general noise pollution, you couldn't hear a nightingale singing. But at this past spring and summer, you could hear more than nightingales. You could hear a whole flotilla of birds uh, singing. So it's very interesting from that point of view. And, of course, uh, traffic patterns were much lower, although they are starting to climb up a bit. They're not as bad as they used to be. That's one of the things that I used to always comment on when this pandemic first started. We were all forced to be home, traffic, smog. Like I'd go for runs and stuff and be out, and you just notice the flowers were blooming. You could see the birds. Like I saw a few, it was so funny, at least here in LA, these squirrels that were like monster squirrels that were so fat and plump and happy that were running around because there was, it's like nature had it. I feel like, it was bad for humans, but it was good for the planet to grow and breathe and repurpose without all the damage from humans. And it was actually quite nice to have the quietness and to see the beauty of from flowers to wildlife that we've never seen before, or we never took the time to stop and appreciate. A squirrel convention, I'm sure that would be great <laughs> in LA. But um, you know, we're seeing a lot of innovation. I think a lot of people are starting to create new stuff out there. Is there anything coming up that you're working on that, you know, because I know what you're walking, you're roaming around the world, like a global traveler, finding cool stuff, trying to find areas to innovate with new technology. Is there anything coming up that you're working on? You know, I've seen some really interesting developments in Helsinki. We've been involved in Finland for many years now. And uh, there's always a very high standard of innovation development in Finland. It's not all mobile, but there's a lot of stuff with machine learning, new ways of manufacturing, new ways of automation, and clearly just looking at the rise and rise of Amazon and the way that that uh, has really changed the patterns of retail. There's now uh, a lot of people are talking in Europe about the fact that with shopping centers and shopping malls really going through a crisis of not seeing what they call footfall into the shopping malls, should they be turned into either Places where you can have huge video game uh, centers, because video games today are really so huge. You know, what's interesting and sometimes not uh, publicized sufficiently, the global music business is a $25 billion business. The global movie business and television business is between 
50 and $60 billion, but the global video game business and mobile game business is around $125, $130 billion. Wow. Really huge. So, for example, if people look at Fortnite, which obviously is amazingly successful in America, they recently did uh, uh, something about four weeks ago where they had uh, an artist perform on Fortnite. They got 30 million people coming to it. They were the people that put up prize money of $30 million when they had Fortnite at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York about 18 months ago. And then a Chinese video game company said, what, only $30 million? We'll put up $32 million. And it was all publicly funded by uh, basically uh, crowdfunding. And so um, the, the whole video game area is just such a phenomenally important area with Amazon's company and platform Twitch that has got mm-hmm. such huge viewership. And now, and that's all over the world. And interestingly enough, Sarah, you know, um, in terms of mobile games, the world's mo- biggest mobile game is called PUBG, P-U-B-G. And um, they say that uh, mobile games, 45% of the players are women and 55% nice. are men. Well, so, well women, have, women have stepped up because we're kind of into the esports space. There's a lot of women in the esports space. But yeah. I know Amazon's also working hard to lower carbon footprints and to really expand the virtual side. And this is kind of going full circle to when we met years ago. Everybody was struggling because nobody wanted to log on, view a concert, view a sporting game and events. They wanted to be there live. And I think one of the biggest thing is we are community driven as social beings and human beings. Yeah. And our communities have fallen apart because we're sequestered at home. So we've got to learn to lean on tech. And I think we kind of evolved to the live streaming of music never went off anywhere because we wanted to sit there and watch an opera for five hours on their computer. So now they can't get enough screen time to see what they're missing because that sense of community is now virtual. I was amazed to see that Zoom has seen growth of the last three months or so, 3,300%. We all should have bought stock in Zoom when it first started. Exactly. <laughs> we made fun of it, Joe, but now we're like Zoom and podcasts. Very good. That's, that's a good, good, good question. Ralph, let me ask you, uh, you you've been a mobile producer you know, with, with the TEDx with uh, Live Earth and also with uh, Live 8, what goes into being a mobile pr- producer? Give us a little uh, background. What, what do you do to be a mobile producer to those events? The idea was to try and get the telcos involved so that you could have messaging that was either free, free text messages, and the idea would be that you would try and also have your <clears throat> event broadcast over the mobile network, which really was a precursor and a prelude to what streaming has become because mm-hmm. today streaming is so widespread you know if you look at uh, amazon streaming if you look at uh, netflix is effectively right. a streaming platform uh, apple apple plus television and of course uh, uh, spotify which has got about 200 million users which is the biggest of them all now worldwide but so being mobile i mean everything today is mobile you know if you if you are getting fit your Fitbit is linked to your mobile device. Mm-hmm. For elderly citizens who have hearing aids, their hearing aids are connected to their mobile devices. Um, everything really is mobile, particularly uh, health, personal health, that kind of thing. And um, it's really interesting because when some years ago, when I'd speak to people in Scandinavia or particularly in Finland, 
and you'd say, uh, what is your home phone number? And they say, well, we don't have a, a wired phone in anymore. Everything is a mobile phone. And you think, oh, that's a silly thing to do. You have to have a, a phone that's, you know, copper wires into your home. And of course, now in America, most people would think that would be ridiculous. You don't need to have uh, anything but a mobile phone. That's amazing because we, we still do have a wired phone here in this house, believe it or not. <laughs> you do? Yes. Well, but go ahead and keep on going with that. So um, I'm also just thinking of new ways in which mobile devices are used. You can check your heart rate. I mean, a lot of people like to do their 10,000 steps a day or at least some mm-hmm. kind of exercise. And how many people do that uh, with their mobile device? Even something like Peloton, which is such a popular uh, in-home fitness uh, uh, technology, uh, it's always linked in some form to your mobile device. So I remember when Sarah and I first started working together and Sarah was representing the Mobile um, Entertainment Forum and doing it with great distinction, I might add, um, the whole notion of we had to fight to get people to understand that changes were coming, mobile was absolutely inevitable. Why are people not listening to the fact that this is a technology that is going to make your lives easier. It's going to be so great. Don't you remember, Sarah? I do, but I think, but I think mobile was such a standalone. We've seen how the oh. phones evolved. It was like talk, and then if it was all excited, well, I could talk to you and send you a text message. And then when you created about ringtones into the market, it was like that entertainment thing. And it's, it's just evolved. I don't think, I think the phones have evolved. Like you said, we're all mobile. Yes. But I think the technology is innovating around it, big data and AI, because I have a whoop. I don't think they have Whoop in London. It's like a smartwatch, but for fitness tracking, for sleep and everything, and your heart rate and the data I get on my phone is phenomenal. So if I, and I have actually, I'm going to admit the very first, when the iPhone first came out, I was so excited, get off of Blackberry. I bought my first iPhone. I used it for two days, threw it in the drawer, have never used it because I was like, what is this contraption? But now I'm like on my 10th version of my iPhone. It's like an extension of my brain. But I used to always joke, smartphones make us dumber because I don't know a phone number. I don't know an email because I rely on my phone from data, entertainment, anything in the universe. So it's just become an extension. I just think we used to work with all the carriers, Ralph, and we were always, our big thing was getting a phone into the hands of people to understand you. It's a great piece of technology. Now you're using innovation on a humanitarian level, globally, to literally save lives, which yeah. I think is a tremendous uh, how you've evolved into the space as much as the technology's evolved. And I know it's interesting uh, you saying that because as I, one of my daughters lives in Yemen, she's part of the senior team that's running the humanitarian mission for the Secretary General of the United Nations. And Yemen presently is the very worst humanitarian disaster in the world. The country has a population of 38 million people and they don't have enough food to feed their children. Their hospital system has pretty much collapsed under the strain of the pandemic. And um, they've got to feed 10 million people every two weeks. There's a war going on there, it's a conflict zone. And uh, they would not be able to operate the humanitarian mission of the UN without mobile, because that's the only way that they can communicate. The rest of the country, you know, it's, there's a war effectively, a proxy war between the Saudi Arabians and the Iranians. And this poor country, Yemen, I 
are right in the middle of this uh, bonfire between these two uh, countries. But everything to try and save people's lives is all done on mobile. It will just not work without it. So, of course, you know, when we talk about, you'd mentioned, Joe, about uh, the ringtone business that was a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, 1998, something around there, 20-something years ago now. You know, if we've now all been living, the world has been living with mobile phones. You must remember, there are probably now nearly 8 billion mobile phone subscribers. Some people have got two phones, parts of the Middle East, People have a social phone and a business phone because they separate the way they use them there. But, um, you know, if you think about all of the different connections and if you think about how much has been mobilized, like, for example, um, just just in terms of uh, what your phones are able to do, the data that it gets. uh, We we mentioned Waze earlier on. I always love the story about Waze, which is founded by a couple of Israeli guys uh, just near Tel Aviv. And they had started Waze because they wanted to disrupt mapping. Really? And that then led into it becoming the indispensable tool to help people with traffic, just understand traffic patterns. I know nobody in LA that does not use Waze to get around <laughs> traffic. Of LA. And it's that, just interesting is- that that came around because there was a brief moment in time when Apple had actually taken their maps off their platform. And these Two guys, three guys, four guys in Tel Aviv said, let's do something about mapping. Apple is not doing something. Maybe if we can develop something, we can. And then, of course, Google bought Waze for over almost a billion and a half dollars, which is why Google Maps now uses the benefit of a lot of Waze technology and very much mobile. Amazing. Uh, Let me ask you, do you still, would you agree that we are still in the infancy of the mobile uh, revolution? Now I would say that we're in the we're we it's in it's like a teenager where everyone has become a screenager and a little about, bit rebellious as well, right? Right. You know, if you think about it, whether it's your grandmother or your grandfather or anybody is now a screenager, uh, but uh, I would say, you know, if uh, mobile mobile's been around a long time, you know, probably nearly forty years now, the first big bricks that people used to right. use, and so. Now that we're uh, into a space where the data that a uh, sophisticated smartphone can carry and all of the different things that it can do, obviously it's going to become more intuitive. It'll understand signs that your body gives. It'll be able to tell you a lot more. Uh, that is all part of the extension of machine learning and artificial intelligence. So, I mean, look, the future is so bright, you've got to wear shades. That's what I say. <laughs> Uh, what I think is besides, you know, the entertainment aspect, you could share content, UI, utilities. What I've seen the most that I, I've been the most impressed about, and I don't know, Joe, you have a good handle on this too, as our, um, for the MEAs, is I've seen some tremendous humanitarian efforts utilizing the technology for good. Um, Turkcell, who's one of the largest, or they're the largest carrier in Turkey, you've got which one. Right. We work with right. them closely. They've been involved with MEAs. They have, they've been using their technology to save lives. I've seen another company, I think it was a year or two years ago, Joe, we're at the theater on the MEAs, our 11th, we're in thir- year 13, our 11th, you guys were here. And the government, Anosa, used technology to help save whales out of migration with the sonars. Right. I mean, I've seen more and more mobile in a humanitarian level. And you know, it goes beyond like with AG, when we worked with AG, we use mobile, you know, on 
for humanitarian efforts for we are the world, you know, for mobile ring back tones, going money towards that. We use mobile for global poverty, you know, citizens of humanity in the big global conferences that eradicate poverty. But I have seen tremendous work internationally, more than here in the United States, of using mobile for humans, line, um, landmine grafting, animals. They are being so much savvier with technology in European countries than they are here to use it to save lives. And I think it's a little disappointing. I don't know, like Joe, what you said, is it, are we still in the nascent stage of mobile given where we have to go? Or is it just that we're just behind because we don't use mobile on a humanitarian level like European companies do? I mean, Ralph, are you finding that? No, I think I think the, the America is really right up there. I mean, uh, Horizon AT&T Sprint, you know, you're talking about uh, the, the really the, the latest bleeding edge technologies yeah. being utilized. Um, and I, where we are at an interesting junction point with mobile is we're right around the cusp of seeing a big explosion in um, in virtual reality and particularly in um, uh, an augmented reality and yeah. uh, certainly uh, just uh, intelligences that are where devices are much more intuitive uh, than they've ever been before. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very exciting space. And of course, there's still an enormous amount of de- development going on. You know, if you think of the fact that uh, Google, who developed their own phone platform system, which is the biggest in the world now, so um, it's, it's not, it's not going to stop. And certainly what is going to mobile television, another very important, uh, important element. But, of course, around the world, and particularly with, uh, with the emerging, emerging world, the emerging markets, India, Africa, uh, I mean, India has got over a billion mobile subscribers, about 11 uh, major telcos in India. It's, uh, look, we live in the, the mobile is, is the remote control to people's lives. And that's wow. the way that I think you've got to think. Yeah. There's a company in London, um, Charisma, who's using tremendous um, AI with their um, mobile phones. Guy Gatney is their CEO. He's based in London and he's doing such a great job using mobile for the AI market. So we're excited to see where they go. But oh, yeah. let me ask you a question. When we're talking about mobile and everybody's saying health healthy and safe and trying to, how do you feel about the tracers, mobile tracers? I know there's a lot of controversy in the U.S. market, and you and I know you're in London, because people feel that Big Brother's watching, we don't want to do it, but I'm a big believer in using tracers on the phone, especially during a pandemic like this. I completely agree with you. I think it's really important. Um, there have been certain privacy issues that have been raised by it, but I think that you can anonymize a lot of the data so that effectively what you are doing is tracking and tracing because it is vital that those super spreaders, I mean, I'll give an example. Just last week, a plane load of British tourists who were on a Greek island called Zante arrived back in the UK, and a number of people, when they got off the plane, had shown symptoms of corona. They, uh, they made sure that their details were taken when they arrived at the airport, and those particular people then went back into their communities, and it's in some of those communities where there's suddenly been an uptick in infection. So tracking and tracing, I mean, I know uh, that President Trump has said that there shouldn't be uh, testing, which, of course, is ridiculous. The more testing, the better, because then at least you get a sense of, of, 
of what is happening on the ground. But uh, if you can find out how and where infection is starting to rise, if you look at the most successful countries in the fight against the pandemic, South Korea, only about 100 deaths. Uh, New Zealand, only about 21 deaths in the entire country, you know, versus America, which is approaching 200,000. Certainly, by the time the elections happen in November, I think the number is going to be at around 220,000 dead in America. Which is not we, we may be looking at another shutdown because they're saying it's just that things going to mutate phase two. And a lot of people, like you said, it's a privacy issue. I get the privacy issue. I'm all for what I do is my business. But if I, I want to get pinged on my phone, that, hey, you pinged within 20 miles or five feet, whatever, of a possible COVID, I would go get tested. I want everybody I'm around. Why fight that? If I'm going to save a life, I, why? It's just, it's just, it's, the quicker we adapt to the COVID testing and quicker we adapt to understand this thing is serious and take it seriously and the um, testing and the tracing, the sooner we could get back to a normal lifestyle again, but there's so much pushback. I just don't understand how we are going to get through this if we don't adapt to better tracing. We all have mobile phones. Exactly correct. I think you're absolutely right. And I think what you've said is such sound advice, particularly during this pandemic. You know, health is everything. You know better than anybody else. If you don't have good health, you don't have a good life. It's as simple as that. Good. So I'm going to say, um, Ralph, give us some... Before we let you go, because I know it's getting late, your time in London, give us what is your parting last thought on mobile and innovation and what do people need to look out for or what's exciting for them to see coming down after the first of the year? Bumble. No, no, I'm really kidding. <laughs> I, think, I think the most important things, uh, let me think, um, I think the next stage of uh, artificial intelligence into devices is is going to be a big uh, game changer, just bringing greater effective use of mobile in modern living. Also, the diagnosis of uh, disease or the diagnosis of uh, of bacterial infection or stuff like that, that that's going to be become more and more invested into the device itself. Of course, um, shopping and particularly online shopping and the whole notion of online everything. Screen ages, I'm just convinced, you know, that's that's we're in the world of screen ages. Not whether you like it or not, you like it because it makes your life better. We are all going to be screen agers right now. So for all of our users and listeners out there globally, but if there are any questions they have, how can they reach you? Okay, best to reach is uh, either through yourself, Sarah, or uh, they can just send me an email, Ralph, R-A-L-P-H, at Mobilium, M-O-B-I-L-I-U-M, Mobilium.com, and happy to uh, be in touch with you. And, um, of course, uh, what I'm itching to do is to come back to L.A., because not just about In-N-Out Burgers, which, you know, don't <laughs> have to be any good, but... Um, no, it's just lovely to be back in California and uh, to be in America, which is always uh, just such a good tonic for the soul and for the troops. Uh, we're excited to get you back out here as well, Ralph. So this is Sarah Miller with Access Entertainment and Media Maven Podcast. I want to thank you, Ralph Simon, for being a guest on our show. I want to thank Joe Pirates for being our co-host. Until next time, thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.